And now, after years of planning, sweating, and going broke, here is the Boots and Whiskey Podcast with Jim Belial. And alert the media. Why they would give this man a podcast is anyone's guess. And there is what could only be a bizarre coincidence or something else. Welcome to the Boots and Whiskey Podcast with Jim Belial. Track drunk and stupid is no way to go through life, sir. Country music and fine moonshine. You look like the vermin-ridden son of a bitch you are. A podcast for everyone in the good old USA and all around the world. Over there, over there, send the word, send the word over there. Quality booze and country music at its best. So you're saying, can you set my country music award on fire? The music... Nice and loud. What we do is if we need that extra push over the cliff, you know what we do? Put it up to a 11, exactly. You can email the show at bootsandwhiskeypodcast at gmail.com. That's bootsandwhiskeypodcast at gmail.com. It's just swimming with bow-legged women. All social media can be found at Boots and Whiskey Podcast. The show is great, even if you're sober. Well... My advice to you... Start drinking heavily. Jim loves his music and his whiskey. A real woman could stop you from drinking. It has to be a real big woman. This is the Boots and Whiskey Podcast with Jim Belisle. Great music, great booze, and fun, even for you non-drinkers. Y'all want to drink whiskey? <laughs> I'd like a Coca-Cola in a clean glass. Finally, a podcast that lets it all hang out. Let's level with America. Got your boots? Ready for some whiskey? These boots are made for walking. One of these days these boots are gonna walk all over you. And now, the Boots and Whiskey Podcast with Jim Belisle. Hey everyone, welcome back to another episode of the Boots and Whiskey Podcast. As always, I am Jim. I am your host. I want to thank you all for being here today. Um, This is a different kind of episode than we've ever done before. This is not country music related. Um, Now, some of you may be thinking, like, what the hell are you doing? Well, what I'm doing is I'm trying to expand an audience. I'm trying to, you know, get an idea of this music media industry as well. Um... Last week, I wrote an article about what the hell has happened to country music, and there's been a lot of shade thrown at it, Um, some subtly, some not so subtly, Um, and we're going to have a new blog this Thursday, kind of a rebuttal to that and to some people, but today I have um, Vinny Potestivo on the show. Um, Vinny is not country music. Um, Vinny is an absolute whiz, a genius, if you will, in the podcasting world. Um, he's a former big shot at MTV. Um, Vinny is who we have to thank for things like the Osbournes and, um, you know, shows like that with, um, you know, big Mandy Moore guy. Um, he's had him Andy Moore on his podcast, um, which if you haven't, heard it yet it's great it's called i have a podcast um it's a lot of fun now there's a lot of stuff in this that if you're thinking of podcasting or are a podcaster you know i don't want to give away you know i don't want to throw the what is it the baby with the bathwater or whatever the hell that saying is but you know i'm big into you know doing this 
and collaborating with everybody. So I think it's important that, you know, episodes like this are made. Um, you know, some people are probably going to tell me I'm crazy for putting this out, but you know, Vinny, when I was approached with Vinny and looked into his credentials and everything that he could bring to the table, I said, absolutely. Like it's a, it's a, it was a no brainer. So Vinny, thank you so much for being on the show. Um, another, uh, while I'm thinking about it while I'm talking, um, Jessica Simpson and all of that MTV stuff, you know, we have to thank Vinny for too. Um, you know, some really great stuff from the early 2000s and stuff that I grew up with um, as a kid or, you know, teenager, um, you know, in TRL and, you know, all that stuff, all that stuff. So if, if you're a child of or a person of the nine, late 90s, early 2000s, like, I think you're really going to enjoy this episode because I enjoyed having it. Um, I didn't want to stop talking to Vinny. Um, I could have talked to him for, oh God, days. We could have did a whole series, him and I. Maybe we will. Vinny, what do you think about that? I'm sure you'll listen to this at some point. So I hope maybe you'll get some feedback. Um, but really, without further ado, um, my conversation with Vinny Padastivo. Hey, friends. So like I keep telling and pushing, you know, my friend Marissa owns the Afterglow Boutique right here in my hometown of Blackstone, Massachusetts. She has a shop. It's at 43 Main Street in Blackstone. Um, Her store hours can be found on her website if you're local. Go in there, support Marissa. She's the absolute catalyst to a lot of things. You know, her and I have been friends for forever. You know, we go way, way back. Um, you can find her stuff at the afterglowboutique.com. That's the afterglowboutique.com. If you go online and purchase anything, she is offering a 20, 20% off discount to the Boots and Whiskey podcast um, listeners. Promo code is Boots, B-O-O-T-S. Put that in at checkout. off your entire order as long as you're a friend of this show. Go check her out again. 43 Main Street right here in Blackstone. Go see Marissa. Tell her Jim at the Boots and Whiskey podcast sent you. You'll love her stuff. Great for moms, dads, girlfriends, sisters, whatever. Go check it out. You'll love it. I love it. I love her. Marissa, thank you so much. Go check out the Afterglow Boutique. Again, theafterglowboutique.com. 20% off at checkout using the promo code BOOTS. Hey, everyone. I want to tell you about our friends Hogwash and Rhinestones. The owner over there, Ray, is an absolute sweetheart. She makes the best country vintage clothing you'll ever see in the entire world. Absolutely incredible stuff. Handmade Stuff that you are like, wow. She's had people like Jody Messina wear her stuff. Caroline Cruz from 1025 here in Boston wear her stuff. Brett Young. All kinds of cool people, right? So if you go to her website, hogwashnrhinestones.com, you'll see everything. Facebook, Instagram, everywhere you can go. Go check it out, Hogwash and Rhinestones. You can email her at hogwashthreads at gmail.com. It's upcycled fashion design, wardrobe styling, closet disruption, hogwash and rhinestone gear. You can get everything you'd want from her right from there. Go check it out. Tell her Jim at the Boots and Whiskey podcast sent to you, and she'll take great care of you. Hello, Vinny. Hello. How are you? I'm good. How are you? I'm great. Thank you so much for being here. Yeah, man. Thanks for having me. Absolutely. So for 
so that you know, I'm not sure how much about this show you know. This is um, usually a, you know, a strictly country music and whiskey podcast. Um, and, you know, I was reached out to by your people. And um, I thought it was a great opportunity to have you on as like the first non-country music whiskey person. So I think, <laughs> you know, I think this is really cool. And I think what you have, what you're going to have to say to us is, um, is super beneficial, not only to me, um, but to maybe other people out there listening. Oh, cool. I appreciate that. Well, thanks for the inclusion in the conversation. <laughs> Absolutely. Absolutely. That's all. Yeah, yeah, yeah. No, go ahead. Go ahead. No, no. Just especially. Yeah, no. We'll talk about it. <laughs> um, so, yeah, the, this show is typically about whoever my guest is. Okay. So that's, that's what I'm going to let you do. I'm going to let you tell your story, who you are, what you do, and, you know, the conversation will just come natural. I have oh. I have zero questions for you. I just like to have a conversation, more That's or less. Awesome, awesome. And how long do you like to go? Uh, as long as you want. <laughs> really, <laughs> I, I'm I have no timetable. So all right, cool. Um, well, I have no questions. I'm ready to rock and roll. That's cool. That gives me some good framework for what we're going to chat about. How much I'm going to open up here. Rip, yeah, in, rip yeah. into the depth of my soul. <laughs> it's there, Absolutely. man. Skin you know, I got thin skin. Yeah, I mean, I you know, a lot of people have come on here and it's been like a therapy session. You know, yeah. we'll talk about their careers and it goes into like, you know, their thoughts about the world and what's going on. And it's like, it, it, it goes all over the place. It's a lot of fun. Oh, I love that. Yeah. You know, so, so how did you get into this whole thing? Like, where does your, I hate, I, you know, I hate how this is going to start because I've always said I didn't want to do it this way, but I think it's important. Yeah. Um, how did you start this whole thing? Oh yeah. Where does it all begin? I'll tell you yeah. before I even got on God's good earth is where, where it all began. My, my parents met um, at Kansas State Teachers College. My dad had a football scholarship. My mom was going for education and they came back to Staten Island um, after graduating and, sh and shortly thereafter had us. Um, so like growing up as a kid, I had this sort of duality, you know, I had this really thick Staten Island accent and I would talk like go to the mall and get coffee. My brother, <laughs> Joey, my bro, my sister, Nicole Marie, my brother, Sal, <laughs> my aunt, my aunt, Joe, my uncle, Joe. Um, and then from the end of like the beginning of June to August, I would go to um, Wellington, Kansas, uh, which is like between Wichita, Kansas and Oklahoma. And I would spend three months a year there um, helping my grandparents harvest their winter wheat and learning to ride horses on farm horses, not like not not like the East Coast horses do, but like yeah. real, you know, real just tend to real horses and and come back, you know, with like a charcoal tan. Like I would get real crisp and right. I'd come back with a real tight crew cut and my toes all stubbed talking about being ah, Italian and get my <laughs> feet burning on the cement. And then all, all my Staten Island friends would be like, I Italian? What do you mean, Italian? Like, what's wrong with you? Like, what do you, what do you mean like that? Or, I, you know, I was the guy who uh, always liked to ask his friends, isn't it funny that supper and dinner are the same thing? And then people would say, what's supper? Were you crazy? Yeah. yeah. <laughs> yeah. Um, so I had this, like, this upbringing of um, I knew there was another life outside of New York because, like, New York was my headquarters. I'm from Staten Island. And it felt like it was big. I just... The way New York is sold to you as a kid, you know, uh, the the sort of mecca epicenter of of the world, the cultural melting pot, and everything sort of coming through, and I really felt like I saw that. Um, so I just assumed that everyone 
was named Vinny and Joey and Nicole Marie and Marie Marie and Anna Marie and Maria Anna. And <laughs> lo and behold, <laughs> there aren't too many Vinnies in the entertainment industry. At least now everyone's in the entertainment industry, but for, for a couple of lonely years in television before the iPhone, before, before that opened up the creator economy. Um, not too many Vinnies that were, uh, you know, that were running around in the industry. And I thought, oh, TV, you know, New York, it just feels like it's all, it all happens here. Um, I grew up in a Mets Yankees household. You know, I, I, I like the Mets. My dad liked the Yankees. The cousins were divided. Uh, I grew up in a, you know, definitely, you know, New York has two teams. So it seemed like there was always options and it was one or the other. So I grew up in a very one or the other environment and then i go back to my kansas because you know kansas to me is like one or the other new york one or the other and i yeah. sort of had this it's like a conflict as a kid um not knowing you know you know not not knowing or really caring not caring to to adapt to be more likable in any one situation i wish i wish i would have known i think i think what i interpret as passion and power as a new yorker might come across a little harsh in Kansas, just and I had no clue culturally that that happened. Although I will never forget coming back from Kansas, feeling like Dr. Pepper has made me fat. <laughs> because I think I might have been told, "Don't drink Dr. Pepper; you're gonna get like whatever it is." And that must have hit my head. And I was like, "That's the summer that I got." I was Jerry O'Connell in uh, Stand By Me. <laughs> that was my role. Um, oh, man. and I had this great upbringing, um, considering, you know, um, I had, I, my parents, I ultimately grew up in a one family house and it didn't start off that way. And, um, we certainly had our hardships, but we had each other and we had a lot of cousins. Uh, my mom from Kansas stayed in New York and my dad's mom, my grandma kind of like adopted her and she was like, we grew up, my mom and, uh, and the four kids, we grew up in my, in my dad's mom's house and my dad didn't live with us growing up as kids. And. And so I got a really unique sort of um, family structure upbringing, a lot of matriarchs in my family. And so when you ask, where does it all start? I mean, defense mechanisms, <laughs> man, coping mechanisms. Yeah, yeah. Oh, man, like I know, I know how to give someone what they want. And I, I know how to help people ask for a better version of what they think they need to be successful. And um, I use that empath part of me sometimes to find you know the the, the ensembles the, the shows that i've gotten a cat i've gotten a chance to cast and develop and be a part of um but storytelling you know I, I grew up telling stories to my brothers and sisters in new york then we would go to kansas those stories would slightly change the facts didn't change but the story changes a little you know yeah. you got to use different words different tone now my grandparents are listening or my cousins don't know what i mean by like uh like how gross a hot dog is, you know, they might think it's a good thing, but like, you know, the corner hot dogs in New York, some people come to New York for those hot dogs. And we're like, right. you know, not, I was like, what? <laughs> not, not the hot dogs. That's like the grossest <laughs> thing. Then you, you got to get a knish, not a hot dog. <laughs> like I got all the answers. Yeah. Um, um, but at MTV and, 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 and I had this idea of, of, of being a casting director and I took out an ad one, one, one day in, in school. And I said, you know, I want to be a, a future casting director looking for actors who are, who'd like to be considered for future, you know, projects. And I got maybe like 500 headshots sent to me at school and I out and I'm like, now, now what am I going to do? So I, I did what I thought everyone would do is I created a database. I took all the information and I put it in a database and slowly, but surely I started emailing small groups of people 
with opportunities that I saw on backstage that weren't mine. Hey, I saw this opportunity I th- and I thought of you. I have nothing to do with it, but here's the information because uh, it's not my gig, but I just wanted to connect you to and make sure you, you know, you sort of saw that. And that turned into um, an audience. I got, I was hired to help with um, manage the audience. I was kind of brought in to help be like an audience coordinator on, uh, on Hannity and Combs, uh, a show on Fox news back then about the left side and the right side. And like they're a really one of a kind uh, show, but that, that gave me exposure to politics in a way that I hadn't been exposed to. And, um, you know, I love, I love a room where there's two options, good old America, where there's two options. <laughs> I, I think we now know there's a lot more than two options, but if we can at least agree that there was two options for a long time, and there could be room for a third option, not a, a new fact, but a new perspective. Yeah. And I started, I started realizing I could, I could do that in TV. And, and I realized that I can organize conversation. I can organize castings. I, I knew how to edit. I, I wired, someone taught me how to wire two VCRs together so I can take my camcorder and connect it to my VCR and, and edit that way. And, and when MTV was looking to create its talent development and series department in 1999, um, I was lucky enough to get that gig, not because I was like, I had the eye for talent, um, but because I had the organization to be able to put those tools quickly in effect. I, I'd written hundreds of one sheets by that point. I'd done show decks. I had done talent databases without even knowing that that's, that's what those were going to be called in the future. And, uh, and my understanding of that and, and how, how you can change your life by, by changing, by choosing to change your life, but you can't change your reality unless someone sees it. And there I was at MTV with cameras and access to celebrities and access to potentially maybe removing a couple of videos off of MTV to put in a new 30 minute show about, I don't know, maybe a really human being, a really great human being who, who everyone thinks should be superior because she's a strong singer, but is really just as absolutely average and normal as you can imagine. And to be honest, I've, I've realized even with like all the celebrity brands that I've built, it's like the most mundane. It's the, it's the simplest, easiest. It's the most boring facts about us that tend to be our biggest common denominators, you know, yeah, yeah. Whether, it, whether it's our faith, our upbringing, being the oldest, the youngest, uh, experiencing a, a certain hurricane or, or a world event or uh, the law, you know, a, a movie, you know, th- those, those are big, big moments. And, and when, when I got to see what happened with the Osbournes, um, I had front row to that. I was part of that conversation. And I got to see these two kids, Jack and Kelly, you know, bring together this, this idea that not all families have to be perfect to be awesome. I, I could subscribe to that for the oh, day as long. Yeah. And with Ashton, you know, to help someone like Ashton Kutcher come into a network like MTV, like, when he's already a film star, he's already in a hit TV show. So you would say, well, what else do you possibly want? Actor, pretty boy, you know, (laughs) model guy. What else do you want? And he's like, to be taken seriously, to be seen as a producer, to be seen as a mogul, to be seen as someone who can spot trends and then blow them up. And that's what we got to do with Punked. And then, and then we got to see him doing it. You know, he didn't want to be on camera at first. We, it was, I'm so glad he trusted us and, and jumped in front of the camera. I think Ashton is like 
the beginning of Instagram, the beginning of seeing that we're capable as as people, we're capable of making great content just that comes from the heart and the brain if it's executed well. And then Jessica Simpson is who I was talking about earlier. Man, oof, the lessons. I'm, I'm so glad I'm not a writer because if I, I would have overwritten that one, you can't write the things <laughs> that she came up with. But yeah, she was right. She wanted it. By the way, she wanted a reality show before she was getting married. She wanted a reality show. She want, she's always wanted to show the world that she was just regular. But the makeup and the music video and the press and the, the machine of it all. And she always fought against that. And um, she was almost a VJ at one point. Um, I think that but. But to be honest, Mandy Moore was a really strong, was really present. Mandy Moore is a 14-year-old, could stand in her own shoes, could read a prompter, could read cue cards, understood pop culture. And she didn't have the pressure on her from the press that Jessica Simpson had. Yeah. And, and because of that, Mandy Moore became a VJ. And ultimately, we got to put her on TV first and gave her her first acting role ever. And I'll never forget when, when, where we were when she got the call for Princess Diaries and then a walk to remember. And, and when, I, when it came time for me to launch my podcast two years ago, heck yeah, Rebecca Pearson was the first person <laughs> I was going to call. Are you kidding, Absolutely. Rapunzel? Are you, uh, Rapunzel, I got to have you on my podcast because I'm terrified. I, no one's going to listen to my questions if I got you giving great answers. So like, yeah. guide, guide me, help me. And, and, and that's what my podcast is about, by the way. Uh, it's, it's called I Have a Podcast, and I go back and I have these conversations with, with people whose, whose, whose careers I've impacted or, 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 or have impacted mine, and, and you make sense of it now as adults. You, you have, we have some new words you know, that we can identify with that didn't, yeah. didn't happen before. It's been a cool process, but you yeah. know, someone's got to do it. <laughs> yeah, you know, it's, it's funny because you know, I've been doing my research on you and what you've done and, and all that, and I've gone back and listened to some of your episodes and you know, oh, seen, the, seen the interactions. And you know, I'm 35, right? So all of these shows you're talking about, you know, like, you know, I've known, I know you've done stuff on TRL and, yeah. you know, with the Osbournes, like that was my, I, I hate to say childhood, because it makes you sound like a little kid, but that was my young adult life. You know, that was high school for me. You know, so like hearing these stories, it's like, you know, I'm sitting here and I have goosebumps because it's like, you're telling, you know, my adolescence from somebody who was actually there. You know, I can't tell you, like I would get off the bus and I would run into the house, throw all my shit down, <laughs> TRL was on. You know what I mean? I remember watching TRL when Carson Daly was sitting in a room all by himself, blacked out room, and, you know, talking, you know, talking like he was whispering into the camera and, you know, the whole song would play. That's funny. Yeah, that's by the way, that's before it even became um, Total Request Live. I think it was just called like Request Live. Yeah, and that's what, what you're that's what you just described is exactly the downtown studio. There's three studios at MTV. Um, the, the one we called it Uptown. That's on 45th and Broadway. And that's the one that, that we usually shot in. But on, on the downtown studio, the one that's on 44th and Broadway, um, that's usually where MTV2 would shoot and then ultimately MTV Tres and some of the other MTV affiliates would shoot there. Um, but they, they had like this sort of darker, more like music cred vibe. Yeah. Uh, it's like, you know, Matt Pinfield would shoot his shows there. Literally. Right. Matt, I, got, yeah. I got to work. Are you kidding me? I got to be at MTV when Matt Pinfield was there. Like that's yeah. like a legend. And, 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 and I got to MTV in, in 99. Um, that's four years after Yo! MTV Raps gets created. 
And that's a big cultural shift in music and in pop culture. I, I was at MTV. You know, it's so bad to say this, but like I was at MTV. I was like one of the first people to download Napster. I was the one of the first people to get in trouble. And I was like, no, you have no clue how great this is. Like, Vin, we we can't support this. Our, our labels, our Sony, like we literally can't can't support this. And we we did an MTV film about it, and it kind of got some like uh, wonky support, to say the least, um, because of it, it didn't demonize, you know, him, but it didn't it didn't you know champion the the. Um, <laughs> the whole business model behind music right. and you know what I mean? But I got to see, I got to see a, an entire industry come together and squash probably the last known squashable piece of tech before tech just got too big. Right. And, uh, and I'll never forget hearing when iPod was adding podcasts to iPod. I think Adam, I think the first VJ, one of the, one of our first VJs on MTV uh, Adam is really cr credited with uh, with creating the podcast or the idea of a downloadable audio content that you only need to download once that you don't need to have streaming or a live connection to be able to see it because of the the, the smaller nature of some of these audio files versus the large ones. And uh, it was cool. It's just so cool to see that. But but I got to the MTV in 99. Uh, I graduated college in, in 98 and, and I started learning media probably in 95. So I, I learned how to digitize video before we needed to. Uh, I was the guy who, who scanned everyone's photo, you know, yearbook photos and like, you know, pictures of their friends into the, into the, it's so funny to say, I put them onto the internet. <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. You know, I scanned them, put them on a hard drive. I, I saw the hard drive go away. I saw the floppy disk go away. Um, I saw us at MTV go from beta to micro to mini to digital, but it wasn't until 2007 that we, and in MTV, I, I would say this in 2007, I left MTV. I know I had a TiVo in my office. I had a couple of TiVos so I could record, but we did not have MacBooks. We were not editing on, you know, Apple software. Um, like that really didn't click into place. The tech, the tech spot didn't click into place at MTV until 2009 when it was too late when when they had to respond to it that's when at that yeah. point then apple music already took off i mean uh, not apple music um, aol music already took off a amazon had already replaced trl people didn't have to rush home anymore to watch their favorite yeah. show and and also they didn't believe that their calls merited the countdown and i gotta be honest I don't sometimes you're right. Sometimes you're yeah, right. Well, if, yeah. Yeah. If you're in the music industry, you know how those things go, but yeah. like, there's, there's some rhyme or reason there to it, but now, um, <laughs> now I think I'm, I'm, I might put you on the spot here. And if <laughs> I do, I apologize, but that's how this show is. Yes. Yeah, um, so for those of us in the country music genre, you know, everybody knows Bobby Bones and he's kind of become a, like this cultural thing. Now he's, you know, he's becoming the, um, Oh, what the hell's his name? Um, that was on Idol. Oh, Ryan uh, Seacrest. Ryan Seacrest. Yeah, right? yeah. He's he's becoming the newer Ryan Seacrest. Yeah. Right? And he has famously talked about on TikTok and has gotten some pushback about that exactly what you were saying about you know buying and selling number ones. Is mm -hmm. that is that factual? Does it happen? Yeah. Yeah, I've seen it happen. Oh no! Shit. Yeah, Sorry. And, and, I, I also and it may swear, not be, so. and it may not be direct. By the way, it may not be direct, but there, are, there are indirect ways to to do that. So first and foremost, if there's if there's counting, 
if there's if there's if there's if there's like a open source um uh, voting mechanism yeah i mean i i can pay five thousand dollars to have someone sit there i mean i i, I can pay a hundred i can pay one dollar for for five thousand votes and spend five thousand dollars to ensure that you know i'm gonna have the most amount of votes and i'm gonna keep spending incrementally five thousand dollars ten thousand fifteen until i figure out how many votes are really coming into that system so that all I have to do is pay to be number one. Um, we also found out on MTV that the labels figured that out too. There used to be like a, a dial phone, like a, a phone number that you would dial and call in. Uh, yeah. I, I think that at MTV, I, I, I'm pretty sure that like there were certain, I know there were music videos that qualified to be in the MTV active library. So there, there's that, that first step. And then I know that there are um, certain videos that are approved to air at certain times of the day, depending on the cuts and then depending on the type of music and, and like standards and things like that. Sure. Um, but that being said, uh, uh, when we found out that the labels were hiring call centers to call in to bolster the numbers, I think that they had to democratize the list, but they didn't, it wasn't like uh, an MTV favorites. I'll tell you, I know, I know these people in the music department, at MTV, and there's still the people that are ruling the promo side, the video side, the, 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 the network, the streamer side. I know, I know the, not, I don't, I'm not talking about people who work for labels themselves. I'm, I'm talking about the people who support the people who work for those labels, how passionate they are about artist growth and the integrity that comes to that. Um, that being said, man, I, I, I miss those like, hey, you want to fly to Cancun for the weekend? We I got a new artist that we want you to meet. I miss those conversations. Those those sort of those were those are some pretty big budgets. And I, I never I'll never forget the first time I, I tried sushi, by the way. The first time I ever tried sushi was with Natasha Bettingfield. And I never really I always thought sushi. I just I didn't think I was going to like sushi. I was like, I like pasta. I like spaghetti. Yeah. I like like yeah. meatballs. I like <laughs> I like Italian bread. I don't know about it. Maybe I thought to myself, maybe I'll eat, maybe I'll eat the, the, um, the, the peas or whatever. Cause I like green beans and you know, whatever I'm thinking, but I was, I felt, I felt so out of my league, but that's, that's that, that's that one side or the other. Um, yeah. but wait, what, what were you, you, I feel like not so on the spot about this Bobby bones. What, what were, Oh, are you saying about, do people pay for, for places? Yeah. yeah, sure. Well, absolutely. you know, cause he talks about, you know, he famously talks about, you know, labels, you know, saying, listen, I'll give you, you know, in the country music genre, right? Yeah. I'll give you Luke Combs at number one for six weeks if you give me so-and-so at number one for, you know, the next six or, you know, whatever whatever yeah. the hell it is. Yeah, know? it's creative so, barter, by the way. I, I, I can confirm that I have had conversations with Matthew Knowles that stemmed as a result of Beyonce doing something that gave us access to Solange and because Beyonce was doing it, we now were able to take Solange and slot her in as a host to a special or to a one-off or a pilot or um, a project. So, um, right. uh, so yeah, I, I've definitely leverage, right? Uh, to be honest, Michael Jackson kind of did it brilliantly and famously in 95 with Sony. I mean, Sony and Michael, they changed the whole conversation in music on MTV, I think overnight, literally, but Michael pulled his catalog, Sony, you weren't going to get Mariah. You weren't getting anybody, you know, on the Sony register anymore on MTV. That threw him in a tizzy, man. That wow. changed that. that you, you, and you, and you got to leverage it, you know, unfortunately. And I, I think yeah. a lot of creatives who are listening to this now, those, those deals weren't written in favor of creatives. They were written in fear of loss. And 
I mean, that I, it's just one way to create versus another. And I think we're in a really, a different, a different place where, where you can have hit art, you can have genre, you can have artists be multi-genre and still feel real true to country or still feel real true to pop. Um, like I'll never forget when, when Ashley Simpson show, I got that phone call, man, for like maybe a couple of months after the, maybe not, maybe a month, a couple of weeks after the SNL debacle went down where, where she kind of flubbed her performance. And, and I'll tell you this, you know, we, we when, when, when Ashley, when the Ashley Simpson show happened, Ashley was a VJ for MTV at the point we were trying her out as a host. Um, newlyweds was working so it was very natural for us to sort of turn to Ashley and see if there was and Ashley is a I mean Ashley has more number one it's a weird thing to say but Ashley has like more Ashley has more hits like number one hits than than Jessica does like Ashley's a strong songwriter I I, I hope the people listening agree if not then I'm very open to the conversation because people either love her or they love to hate her but man they show up for her yeah she had some cool edge and and when the when the TRL thing happened, you know, I talked to Joe Simpson about this afterwards too. The TRL, you know, famously they played the wrong song, and Ashley didn't know what to sing, and she kind of did this like, kind of like uh, I don't know, I don't know what you call it, like a hop, so to speak, like a hop and a skip on the stage, like an awkward hop and skip, and they cut the commercial, and that was it. Like they weren't coming back. She wasn't getting. There's no do over. There's no. There's no second shot. She lost that angle and. And people were afraid that she wasn't the real deal, even though she truly, truly, really was. Um, truth of the matter is, is that they gave the ability to start the song. They put it on the pedal of the drummer who's was also drumming in his first live appearance ever on national television. So yeah. he was a nervous wreck also. And unfortunately, the wrong pedal got hit, the wrong song started, and then that was the end of that show. And uh, I came real close to replacing uh, with Katy Perry. I was real close to being able to get the Katy Perry show happening on, on MTV. But MTV thought, you know, hey, who's this Baptist Christian recording artist that's yeah. dating Travi McCoy? This, and she hadn't written Kiss the Girl yet. Like, this isn't going to happen. There's, there's no potential for a crossover here. I'm like, y'all, you have to watch the tape. Katy is like, she's like so different. You don't understand. Like, I, by the way, like, and maybe this is because of I'm glad we started where I started with my mom in Kansas because I also grew up going to Bible Baptist Christian Academy and had a very different upbringing um, um, spiritually. And also, so <laughs> I could spell Deuteronomy, Leviticus and Potestivo by first grade. Come on. That is some like <laughs> New, those, those New York kids in first grade were not ready for that. I'll tell you. So I, I got to first grade. I went to public school when my parents separated and. And that was sort of like, but I, I was like, y'all, I, I've been, I've been here, Jeannie. I'm actually Jojo. I'm thinking of a couple of, of crossover artists that, that, you know, even Adrian Bailon, some, some crossovers that um, do it wonderfully. But for some reason, I don't know why people don't, I don't know. I can see it. I can see it a mile away if it's going to work. You know, if the heart is as big as the talent and the voice and, and the audience's eyes are as big as all of that. You can, I feel like I can see it a mile away. So. But I was yeah. devastated when I didn't get that Katy Perry show. But you know what? Good for her. Yeah. She didn't need yeah. us. <laughs> she didn't. And, and, and MTV got Jersey Shore and they went in a different direction. So, yeah. Now, what do you, would you say, you know, you know, you hear a lot about like the fall of MTV, right? Yeah. 
and about you oh know, is when that MTV... what they say <laughs> yeah <laughs> was it yeah. i don't know say perhaps after 2007 when i left <laughs> no, yeah. i'm kidding i'm yeah. kidding uh, kind yeah. of, kind uh, that, of. that's exactly what it was <laughs> you know and like you know when even like with vh1 you know they went from showing music videos on a regular basis to doing that more you know quote unquote original content yeah um you know do you think you know networks like that catapulted us to you know kind of where we are today where everybody's you know everybody cares what you're doing on instagram and on facebook and on twitter and you know everybody's you know quote unquote normal life could be something you know whether it is or not is the question but you know everybody everybody like you said at the beginning you know is a reality star more or less yeah so i would so so to, okay so your I know point, I threw a lot out there. <laughs> I want to, and I'll, I'll answer it this way. Up until 2000, so up until 2007, what I thought we were doing that was so cool, like what I thought MTV did, what I thought I was watching MTV do, do in the early 90s was no longer pointing the camera just on the stars. We were now starting to see the audience. Like I actually felt like I saw audiences. I saw there was a show called remote, a game show called remote control singled yeah. out. Like I was starting to see the audience on television, not just music videos, not just celebrities. So what I thought I was watching was MTV taking the cameras and now creating a space where celebrities like, like, uh, like every celebrity that you could imagine and regular and, and, and people, audience members, fans could be in the same studio. And it kind of made sense, whether that was unplugged TRL. Um, I worked on the Tom Green show. I was an audience coordinator on the first season of the Tom Green show. So like I got my whole, my youth group, I got all like my seniors from, from school there, literally, literally diving into like my, my personal data, all the actors that reached out to me while, I, I that I asked if they'd like to be seen on commercials suddenly found themselves in the Tom Green studio, studio audience when no one knew who he was. And I think what I ended up I ended up getting a reputation of is like uh, you don't ever know what's going to come from Vinny, but answer. There's always going to be. I, it's never the same thing twice. It's always something new. It's always kind-hearted. It always ends really in a bow. Um, and if it, if it doesn't end immediately in a bow, it gets there. Trust me, because I, I am not about rattling the cage. And then I, what I thought we did that was cool when I got to MTV in 99 was instead of pointing the cameras at the studio audience or at the celebrities, I gave the celebrities cameras. I said, yeah. here, here, you control the camera. You control what you say in front of them. You control if they come into your house or not. <laughs> I, I laugh because I can tell you how many nights I've. The show never went anywhere, but how many nights I, 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 Foxy Brown made me wait outside her house while she was quote unquote shooting something inside that never turned the camera on. But like, so you, so you never know what you're going to get, right? When you, yeah. you just trust, I just trust. So I would give them cameras and what we got back, I got to see, you know, Travis Barker's first marriage. I got to see Carmen Electra fall in love. I got to see Jessica, you know, and Nick relationship the Os, you know osborne i got to see you know talent in a way that had, had never been explored before and then in 2007 i left mtv because um i know uh, they, they i wanted to I, benji and joel from good charlotte were leaving and i had to recast all things rock and i tried to put pete wentz up for the spot and mtv was like but he's not even like the lead singer of the band like what are you 
what are you like? Did you lose it then? Are you getting like, <laughs> are you getting like, are you getting VH1 on us? You know, Fugazi on us? What's going on? Why, why, what's wrong? Katy Perry and, and, and this, and you, and you think that like, that's going to be a thing. <laughs> and I'm like, okay, we just have different opinions about talent. And, and then I realized, you know, what other networks were starting to do. And that, that got interesting to me because they noticed what we were doing. And, and I, I was able to jump from MTV and create the casting and talent departments for networks and production companies around the world. I wrote the SOP for them. I wrote 20 of them for MTV even alone when we, when we diversified MTV and, and, and franchised out. Um, so to get, just to get to be a, a creative on that level was like such a cool, like what a cool, weird experience to, to help people understand process quickly, you know, the, the opportunities at hand and, and move quickly on them. But I thought MTV in 2007, I thought it was interesting that the Jersey Shore and Tila Tequila, I was like, I know it's one thing to give celebrities, you know, the camera because I kind of they have a lot at stake, you know, right. like they're not oh, going to yeah. do too much dumb thing because they got a lot at stake is my opinion, is my thinking process here. If you give it to kids, regular kids, like what do they have to lose? They don't even, right. What are they not? You know, and I, I right. kind of thought that that's what Jersey Shore was. And so. You asked the question, who do I blame <laughs> for for the current climate of social media? Everyone at MTV after 2007. No, I'm kidding. Yeah. No, no, that's <laughs> no, I'm kidding. I'm kidding. I'm kidding. Uh, every network jumped on that trend, by the way, too. And, and I think that we went crazy with subgroups and subcultures. And, and yeah. for 10 years, by the way, until 2017, I was um, available for hire for services from every production company and network to cast their shows and and ultimately, I felt like um, people weren't looking for stars anymore. They were just looking for stories that were loud enough to hold audiences' attention. And I had, a, I, you know, I didn't get into this TV game because I loved producing. I got into it because I loved being surrounded by talent. And at MTV, yeah. uh, I just got to—I was surrounded by talent, talented actors and singers, and but also producers that have gone on to create every, literally, I watch the credits for TV. I am so annoying to watch the credits. Oh my God, Jenny, I love her. I haven't seen her. She, you know, she used to host Sewa Karaoke. She produced, you know, and who the hell, what the hell is Sewa Karaoke? Ah, Sewa Karaoke. It would give, literally, Sewa Karaoke on MTV is, it felt like this, like, running gag, like the show that never went away, and everyone kind of, like, always rolled their eyes when we had to shoot more Sabre Karaoke. If it wasn't for Sabre Karaoke, I would not have the thousand plus contacts of celebrity and celebrity teams in my, in my Rolodex. If, if it wasn't for those MTV spring breaks and those like those franchises that I got to book yeah. a lot, a lot of talent on. Uh, it's pretty cool to think of. And, and when you're there at the beginning, when you catch it right, you know, when you're there for the big bang, the big boom, you become part of that success story. So, so oh, hell yeah. luckily, you know, with, uh, with what happened at MTV, I get some shine on, I certainly still get shine on the challenge, which I love that TJ is still holding down that, that show. Um, it's been like more than 20 years. I can't even deal. Uh, I love that Nick Cannon is still holding out while and out. Like those are two shows that I really championed big that you know, while and out almost didn't get while and out got passed on by MTV a couple of times before Nick invested his own money to, to make it happen. And then ultimately he showed them what the format was and, and believed in it. It's been cool. It's been cool. Yeah. Do I miss the good old MTV? Yeah, of course I miss four by three TV. And, <laughs> and but I was a dude when, when we did Laguna beach, which was like the precursor to the Hills. 
Oh, I love people. Laguna Beach. Yeah, me too. I love, I love Laguna Beach. <laughs> It's one of my guilty beach. pleasures. Those kids, they were like, they tried to get on MySpace. I was like, you can't be on MySpace. If you're on MySpace and everyone sees what you're doing, then they're not going to want to watch the show, Kristen. If they know, if, if Stephen, if they know if you ended up with Lauren or Kristen, then they're, why would they watch the show? You know, like there was right. like, there was, uh, when, 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 when celebrity gossip hit the papers, it, it kind of was talked about. It was really serious because we didn't have the level of news or information that we have, you know, now. But, uh, Good times, man. So good time, and and to watch, I'm I'm like it's the weirdest thing. I'm like a city kid that like I can watch, I could watch the, I could watch the weeds tumble. I could watch a building get built. Either way, I'm very happy to sit still and observe. And and I think that I got to watch some of the biggest talent brands in pop in modern pop culture get built literally under my nose with in the room. Um, and I got to watch these franchises get built around the talent. And I got to watch platforms strengthen and grow because of these franchises. And um, even down to the social media, you know, I, I watch social media. I watch all the rollouts. I care about the tool updates and all the strange little details that that no one sees, you know, the nuances and how people can create. Because you know, how we create is how we expect to communicate. How, how we put out a message is how we not to say expect to get a message back, but I would say can understand. Like I want to speak your language, and half of, half of what I try to do is speak your language. And I go back yeah. to Spanish class. If they ask you the question in Spanish, right? Like that, you got like you're gonna pass the test because all you have to do is use the question and the answer. <laughs> like yeah. como se llama Vicente? Uh, llamo Vicente. Um, may maybe if I could be right, you know. So half half the answers are right there. I know it's me. I'm over. I, I get a little. It's a little stir crazy now. I get a little when I get, when I start talking about MTV. There's like this club kid in me that's like, uh, <laughs> "Hola, mi gente, mi amo Vicente, dame wait." Like I get like you know some some alternative version of me. I don't know. <laughs> yeah. Well, it's your baby. I mean that. I mean it was your baby for so long. I mean that's only natural. Yeah. Well, all of ours too, right? And right? Um, yeah, yeah. Like I said to you, like that was that was my adolescence. Cool. I love you know, it. Like, it really was, you know, my wife and I, we still talk about it, you know, some, <laughs> something will pop up and I'll be like, remember that, you know, cause we're, you know, my wife and I are the same age, graduated high school, the same, you know, same years, you know, she, she's from the city of Boston. I was, you know, I worked, I grew up in, you know, an hour outside of the city and, you know, we have very similar, um, like, you know, kind of like you, we have very similar lives, but very different upbringings, if that makes sense. You know, it's, it was, it's wild. You know, you know, because we watch these shows, you watch the Osbournes, you watch TRL, we watch punk, we, you know, those were our, you know, our quote unquote Saturday morning cartoons, but in the afternoon and in the evenings. Well, I, I have to disclose, I have a 37 year old brother and a 38 year old sister who were 1 million percent my muses. I, I did not know anything about pop culture. I thought I was going to be like a Broadway producer. I thought I was like, you know, I, I know like classical music and traditional American theater music and like that. Yeah. I, I wasn't the top, the pop culture guy at yeah. all, but um, but I knew how to entertain my brother and my sister. Um, by the way, speaking of you, you, you speak about being thirty seven. Um, Rebel Wilson has. Have you seen uh, her new movie on Netflix right now? Senior Year. No, I haven't seen oh, it yet. Dude, no. It is it is hysterical. She plays a thirty seven year old who wakes up from a. <laughs> It's horrible what I'm about. It's hysterical. She plays a 37-year-old who wakes up after a coma after being after falling as the cheerleader who is about to become prom queen. 
so there's like this disruption in age. So she basically wakes up as a 37 year old, but she's still 17. So, oh, you know, emotionally. Awesome. And I, I got to tell you, the soundtrack is killer. Oh. I'm getting goosebumps just thinking about it. The references, the, even like you're going to the whole time, you're going to be like, dude, look at the button in the back. You see her pin. You see what the pin says. Dude, that's the jacket. Those are the, those are the pants. Those yeah. are the ones. It was so cool to see um, the early 2000s as like a legit time era, like a piece. Yeah. Well, like a, you know, you know like a moment in time. <laughs> we even, my wife and I, you know, we have three young kids and we just did that with the, um, the latest Disney movie that came out. Uh, about the red panda you know because it's a oh, lot yeah. of yeah yeah early 2000s references to that and like we're we're laughing and the kids are like this is a great song i'm like every boy band sounded just like this <laughs> like this is, this is like i've heard these songs before it is time um, it is time the circle is almost complete it is time yeah yeah, <laughs> yeah. so i you know talking to you has made me think about a lot of things because you know i like i said you know we've i've grown up with you know reality tv more or less and up until recently i've you know i've watched every season of survivor i've you know the other stuff i've never really gotten into all too too much but as a producer in this reality television world right yeah. how i need to know and you can you can backtrack me or you know olay me all, all you want and that's <laughs> fine i get it how much of what we see in reality tv is actual reality and not something that you know, somebody like you would be like, all right, let's, tr you know, let's, let's coerce this to happen. Yeah. You mean now, 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 in this current, like t if I, if I'm watching something now, how right. much of it is real? Yeah. All of it, all of it is real because our actions are real. Our actions are being caught on video and there's no, there's no longer these fake worlds where we can do things on camera that don't translate to our real, our real life world. Like okay. if we're having a fight on camera, we're having a fight in real life. That's going to spill into social media. That's yeah. going to spill into our friend group there. It's going to get sticky and icky. Um, but, but reality TV is the perception of your life. Right. Okay. So you have your yeah, life, yeah. you have your life and there are the choices you make in your life. And then when people suddenly say, oh, my gosh, I didn't know you were doing this. Suddenly their version of your reality changes. And I love that about reality yeah. TV. That's what I played. That's why Jessica Simpson did Newlywed so she can show the world she was human. That's literally by design what she was supposed to. That's what that show served the purpose of doing. And then what's really cool is she kind of went. I think she would say a little too, she maybe went a couple of steps too far. So she course corrected, I think, in Dukes of Hazard. Yeah. Like, I think Daisy Dukes like literally was like, okay, so Jessica's just like me. She's just like me. She's just, she's got curves just like me. She's got feet just like me. She's got hair, you know, ears, like the, the real human things that Jessica loves showing and talking about just like me. But then also she still can drop into that, ability to represent and tap, tap into the superstar that is the Jessica Simpson we know and show up in Daisy Dukes and work hard but you back then they, we weren't digitally remastering bodies in movies the way they're doing it now she worked hard for that body by the way and like she will tell you as a Texas girl like that was a lot of work and she yeah. will never go back again ever never ever she could if she would but the, that level of like of, of commitment um, well I'll tell you what she don't need to. No, she's no. all all the way to the billions, right? Like with the her boots. So talk about talk about the the, the power of of storytelling. So so everything that I think you're seeing on reality TV is real. Now sometimes 
um, we know what's going to happen. So like we know if there's a surprise or a birthday party or sometimes sometimes a cast member will say, I'm going to I'm going to go scream or make sure you get this because I'm not doing it again. You know, sometimes there are those like moments that pop up, you know, pretty quickly. But but every day we shoot with star with the reality stars that you're watching. There's a producer that they're talking to in the beginning of the day and at the end of the day. And at the end of the day, that producer writes their show notes and sends it into production. And, and we're understanding that that's our way of saying, here's where the story exists now. Here's the way that it could play out. Here's what I'm thinking, you know, A, B, or C, and sort of report back from the field. So there's a real transparency between um, uh, the reality people that you're seeing, like, and Housewives or even Bling Empire or any of those like ensemble series. Um, the stuff that is scripted, um, pretty heavily scripted, in my opinion, is the comedy, the half hour yeah. comedy. So, uh, you know, uh, Chris Lee Knows Best is a great example of um, a format where there's probably some writing that happens prior to shooting. They probably say, hey, you know, you're going to go, you're going to go with your grandson to do X, Y, Z, here's a couple of funny ways to say X, Y, Z that might come up, you know, that might give us some options. Um, when I worked on runs house, you know, because there was young kids involved and family, there was actually like a little bit more of a, a script. We would sit down and, and have a little bit more because the kids wanted to understand what was happening, you know, cause, cause to your point, they don't know if it's reality or if it's not, they don't really understand what it is. They just know there's cameras in the house. Right. And when there's cameras in the house, <laughs> sometimes mom's nicer to us. <laughs> and, when right. the, and when the cameras leave and dad's mad, you know, not, not, not to us. And then sometimes when they leave, that's when we get, you know, in trouble. It's actually my favorite parts of, of TLC. They always keep it in on, uh, on, on, on uh, what's Chip and Joanna Gaines show where the kids are like, are, are we doing this for real? And they're like, yes, everything's for real. Go clean your room for real. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Oh my! Like, I love that idea of like, is this reality or is reality fake? No, I think that I think we have to be accountable for our actions, and and I think that that <clears throat> networks are accountable for the actions that people take on camera, and I don't think that networks would allow. Um, I think that networks really support and empower the people who are are really truly standing up for the the the, the items that the the things that they believe in. Um, I know that because part of the casting process, is, it, you know, is my job to figure out what people stand for, what motivates them, how how will they react, how they say they're going to react versus how they're really going to react. You know, there's there's sort of that. But you look for people who are quick to make decisions, slow to change their mind. First and foremost, it's a great that's a great trait for a person for for someone looking to be. You know, I just want to know where you stand, and I just want to know. I just want to know what I can maybe why I would come to you with a question because I know the type of answer you're going to give me a smart one, a quirky one, um, a, a salty one. I <laughs> know there's lots of different ways that, you know, Van, Lisa Vanderpump, I had laughed when I said salty, I was thinking of Lisa Vanderpump. She can tell you the truth, but she's going to tell it to you in a way that's going to be a little bit salty and like a little bit, give you that lip smacking. Like I didn't, it didn't, it didn't quite need to taste the way that it tastes, but that's what I get for asking you versus maybe if I asked uh, Kathy Hilton, Paris's mom, who, who in my opinion, ten, I think almost looks like she's one of the most like normal people in reality. I know her bank account ain't normal, but like she seems to be one of the most normal people on reality TV, at least um, grounded and, and, and connected to the, the real version of reality. Um, 
And then, and then the sad part, and then there's the sad truth. People think that because they do things on TV, they can get away with it in real life. And you know, I work on Housewives of Jersey is a big franchise of mine that I worked on. So, you know, obviously Teresa had a very global, you know, incident and people are aware of, you know, what she went through, but like, I've seen a lot of people try to do things uh, and for the sake of being on television that just don't vibrate in the real world. And, and I, I liked as a casting director back in the day, I liked that I got to pick and choose who those people were that represented these subcultures. I, I found out in 2003, the people I was casting were becoming like legit bona fide stars. Like I was like, literally me, I was like, wait, you really are. I'm really going to make people stars for the rest of my life. I thought to me, I better start picking the right people. Right. The people who are going to fight for my right to have a family the way I want to have a, to marry who I want to marry to, 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 to be in a religion and start your religion that I believe, you know what I mean? Like these are, these are things that we sort of take for granted that for a long time, big stars impacted how, how conversations were had. So I thought, oof, I got, I got to take this serious. And, and I'm so happy I did because I don't know, man, Mandy Moore, this month of May, this is us. This is a rough month. I'll tell you, an emotional month. <laughs> you know, it's funny because, you know, we started watching the first like season or two of This Is Us. Mm -hmm. And my wife and I, we stopped because we couldn't keep crying every week. <laughs> you know, like it, it really got to that point. And yeah. like, I, you know, I, I kind of say that jokingly, but totally dead serious. It's good. Well. Like, we it's just, good. We just You'll come back. You'll come back right. when it's time to cleanse. And right. You're ready. <laughs> right. Did, did you watch Parenthood at all? No, oh, yeah. I can't. You know, with having three kids or three little kids, it's hard to watch some of these shows and not like, you know, in a sad way, but it's like, you know, I, I've just lived this all day. I don't want to, you know, I don't uh, yeah, want to sit close here for home, hour, right? Yeah, right? Yeah, I don't want to sit you. here for an hour and see my <laughs> life go, go by again. <laughs> yeah, I don't need to. I don't need to pick out which one I am. Right. <laughs> right. right. Exactly. Exactly. It's it like a parenthood is very similar. I think that this is us. It was like about the siblings and the relationships, and it was a tearjerker. It certainly was. You know what? Um, those shows thrive. Uh, it's funny to think about like what I'm about to say here. Uh, the, those big emotional shows tend to come in periods where in, in politics, there's more turmoil. So yeah. like there's a correlation and maybe this is true in music. You tell me, I don't know, but in TV, when things are going wrong in the world, we like to see things going right. So more makeover shows, more renovation shows, more, more surprise marriages shows. And when things are going right in the world in politics and everything's right, we like to see more, um, I don't want to say destruction. Uh, yeah. Okay. Let's say more volatile programming, more traumatic programming. So like nine one one type topics and things like that that might come up. So it's interesting to sort of put that correlation to um, you know what's happening against the world theater. But and then and then you I don't even know how that plays anymore with all these small screens, the the phones and the desktops and laptops and everything in between. You know all these small distractions in between but. yeah you know you know it's funny because you mentioned the music part and you know i so up until about six or seven years ago i hated country music um like despised it <laughs> and you know as you know my musical tastes have always kind of changed with whatever my whatever was going on in my life right you know as a as a teen it was 
corn and limp biscuit and you know all those kind of guys because i was a teenage boy and i had yeah. moments of you know i hate my parents because they have to be they have to parent you know and then you know i got to college and it was the jam bands it was dave matthews oar fish you know those kind of guys yeah you know, those kind of bands and then as i got older and started having kids country music started to really speak to me a little more because it was the storytelling it was the you know, it was about having a family and going to work nine to five and the stresses, you know, all of that sort of thing. Yeah. You know, and and you talk about, you know, you would you would asked about, you know, how it correlates with what's going on in the world to, to you know, through the music. And, yeah. You know, for country music in general, I think I think it gets, a, you know, as popular as it is right now, you know, across the board, mm-hmm. I think it still gets a very, you know, it, it has there's a stigma to it. Right. Where. You know, it's for hillbillies or people that don't know any, you know, don't know anything or, you know, whatever. And, I, hmm. you know, the more and more of these conversations I have with these artists, you know, it goes back to the beginning of our conversation where it's it was just, you know, these people are from a different part of the country that I'm from, but we have a lot of the same values. And it just may be through a different lens. Right. You know, they may see it because they have these things or don't have these things and i see it through you know because i have these things and you know whatever whatever that case may be um you know i think country music has a huge stigma still whether it's about you know um you know non-traditional you know quote-unquote non-traditional marriages or you know uh gay people or you know Um, women in particular, you know, like there's that stigma, like all these artists are there and especially in the independent world, they're very prominent and they're very, um, you know, they're not very mainstream, but I think that those barriers are really starting to come down because, you know, they, the industry doesn't have a choice, you know? Oh yeah. Well, I mean, look at like Orville Peck, right? Are you familiar with Orville? Oh yeah. I mean, that's like this, if that ain't the beginning I can get goosebumps thinking about this. That oh God rest my God rest my grandfather's soul. Cause I think my grandfather would love Orville, by the way. And he you my grandfather was a, a railroader from Oklahoma. Like you couldn't like to me growing up, you couldn't get more cowboy. <laughs> you couldn't yep. get more cowboy than a railroader. I know how stupid that sounds, y'all. I'm from New York, so just keep that in mind. <laughs> I got a point. It was Santa Fe. I can give a, I can come up with a lot of defenses here. But I just, I just think it's so cool because, you know, um, to, to, I think to sort of read in between the lines of what you're saying, yeah, I thought that, I think that I, I kept my sexuality and some of my beliefs away from the Kansas part of my life um, I, a little bit because I was told to from an adult and, and I respected that. Um, also, I was very aware that our, our languages are different, you know, yeah. um, uh, uh, growing up, the the N word was still being used, and like I think I, I, one of our cat's names um, was that, and it was sort of like uh, you know that's it, 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 I, it felt like that that hadn't changed yet in Kansas. Meanwhile, I would come back to New York, and I'm like, when is New York ever going to get ginger ale? How come Kansas is the only place that has ginger ale? So eventually, New York got, got ginger ale. I was happy, and then and then we got dr pepper too but kansas was good on kansas kansas is good on their pop game i'll tell you man they got the, yeah. <laughs> they got one thing down right <laughs> um but i think it's super cool just to eat and and, and then look at dolly look at what she's done yeah you know, and continues to do for women let alone 
for the LGBTQ, you know, plus conversation and, and so much more than that. And um, I agree. I, I love a good story. And and I think that, you know, in country music, the stories are a little bit easier to understand, to be real. Yeah, yeah. By the way, sometimes some of your lyrics, I'm like, wait, what are you talking about? <laughs> yeah. What what is this song about? Like, right. <laughs> what what are these seven year olds running around singing that like <laughs> they don't they don't know? Yeah. Um, but it is it is in the storytelling. I actually remember in New York when we growing up, we had access to um, a country radio station and it went away until until Sirius, until the, the, the satellite radio came out here in New York for a long time. There wasn't a country imprint. So like I, I, I literally would just sit back and I think I had like an Oak Ridge Boys album. I loved Elvira and like I had an Oak Ridge Boys album that like I think I literally wore into like I, I wore holes into into the record that I let it spin so much that was like my me trying to hold on to uh the music that I love like I, I had this oh yeah I can just think about I just think about my music collection back in the day it's so eclectic that and then yeah I, I I my sound my playlist similar to yours by the way very similar to yours yeah, that, you know, except except it, except unfortunately for me, my podcast ends at like now that's 2007 <laughs> when yeah. I left MTV. So like, if you want a good if you want a good throwback, I got you. I got well, you. <laughs> well, like that's why I love it, you know, because you're right. You know, my my playlist that you know I'm it's been very country heavy over the last couple of years. You know, I'll be the first to admit it, but um, you know, I. I, I listen to these songs from my adolescence or from my childhood and then through, you know, through my years here on earth. And it's like, damn, it's so different. Like, it's so different. You know, I, my oldest, you know, I, I was into show tunes for a really long time. Right. Mm -hmm. And, um, you know, I, when Hamilton came out, it was, you know, I, I'm not a big hip hop rap guy. You know, my wife is cause she's from the city and all that, but like, I was, I said to my stepson, cause I'm a big history guy. I'm like, you got to listen to this because this is great. And you know, now that's all he plays, you know, and mm -hmm. you know, some of the other, the newer Broadway stuff, I have no idea about, you know, because my, my knowledge of Broadway ended with rent and then it picked back up with wicked. And then it picked back up with Hamilton, you know? So there's like three very different times of, of, of Broadway hysterical. for me. But, you know, I have a whole, you know, show tunes playlist on my Spotify that, you know, brings me right back to those times when I was listening to it all the time. And, yeah. you know, I have that playlist of Limp Bizkit and Corn and, you know, System <laughs> of a Down. Yeah, you, know? but you, have, you probably have like cool Broadway shows. Like for me, I, I know I, I got to MTV in 98. Rent came out in 98. And that's when all the cool musicals came out. By the way, you weren't you weren't think it's weird. It's weird to look at Rent and be like, oh, I remember when New York was like that. <laughs> yeah. For me, it's weird now in 2022 to look back at that production. And I'm like, I'm looking at the bags and what New York, what Times Square used to look like before Disney cleaned it up. I'm like, oh, that's that's some true stuff, right? That's some true stuff right there that I can yeah. I can relate to. But my yeah, um, yeah, me too. But all my musical theaters are not the cool ones. They're not Hamilton. I have like Oklahoma. I have yeah, I have um Kiss Me Kate. I have Company. I, oh, Company is kind of modern. I have, uh, and in fact, it, it was it was Oklahoma. It was Oklahoma was on was on Broadway. Oklahoma was on Broadway when I when I started working at MTV. The Tom Green show had a segment dropout, and they needed a celebrity. And I thought, well, I know Tom Wopat, you know, from Dukes of Hazard. I know Tom is in Annie Get Your. Oh, it was Annie Get Your Gun. That's what it was. 
I know Tom's and Annie get your gun and with Bernadette Peters right across the street from MTV. What if I went to the stage door between breaks and asked if he can come in for like a 15 minute thing? And they said, yeah, go ahead and ask him. It's never going to work. And I thought to myself, no, maybe I always see people talk to them. No problem. So I went over to the guy. I said, Tom, and I waited and I was like, Tom, I work at MTV. We're shooting a show, Tom Green. You don't know who he's a comedian and it shoots in the studio and. If you're available, we'd love to have you come over. I know this sounds weird, but I can, I promise you this is legit. You can have your people call their people. I don't even know who their people are. Here I am just sort of, you know, uh, volunteering to make this connection happen. But this is, again, me just getting in the middle of an opportunity that wouldn't have happened if I didn't make it. Ha- it's not my opportunity, but I just, I need to see this happen. I need to be the guy who connects these two worlds together. And it's been, it's been a blast. Yeah, and, and to get to do that and get to see it, and then the return on energy now to get to work with people that, you know, I helped twenty years ago, twenty five years ago, five years ago, you know, um, have have success and do what they do to to get to, to to get to help them now in this private sector of media, to get to help them, you know, grow their brands, to monetize their brands, their personal brands, their business brands, to do it respectfully, to win awards to get TV shows and, and, and radio shows and speaking tours. You know, I, I love helping people in this, in this modern era of creating. It's, it's really cool. Yeah. You know, and that's, that's for me with this show, that's kind of where I'm at is like, where do I, you know, we, I've been, it's been super successful. It's been very, you know, very busy, but like what, how do I take it to the next level? Because I'm like you, you know, I want to be in the middle of everything. I want to get, get those opportunities done, you know, but like, how do you, you know, in a world of everybody has a podcast, right? So how do you get noticed out outside of the million other podcasts? Yeah. So first and foremost, what about credits? Is your podcast listed on imdb.com? No. Yeah, so that's a great place to start. So get credit. So imdb.com allows you to upload your credits if you're an actor in a film and in a television show and in a podcast. So podcasters have the ability to be seen now as producers, writers, directors, editors, hosts themselves, in addition to tagging their entire crew, in addition to tagging their production company that creates the show, in addition to tagging all the guests that participate in the show. So if you go to imdb.com right now the the internet movie database and you type in i have a podcast which is the name of my podcast my podcast will come up and you'll see that mandy moore was on my page but if you go to mandy moore's page on imdb and scroll down to her podcast section you'll see that she was on i have a podcast so i'm being discovered by people who are looking for mandy moore because of this is us or one of her Rapunzel's movies or whatever, whatever weird anniversary happened 20 years ago. I can't believe we're already qualifying for 20 years ago. This happened, but that's, this is the age bracket that we're in. So it is what it is looking for. And by the way, we should know that these anniversaries are going to happen, which is the best thing ever. So now I'm expecting them every year, 22, 23, 24, 25 years later to be able to talk about them. So, so IMDB is a great way first and foremost to stand out. Um, also, if you win awards, if you win W3 awards, communicator awards, regional Emmys, you uh, you you claim those awards on IMDb so that you can be seen as an award winning podcaster. That information isn't doesn't just live in IMDb. IMDb is owned by Amazon. Amazon and like Google, they're like kissing cousins, man. They talk and they yeah. share a lot of information and you will see almost instantly the information that you're you will rank for your podcast name quicker 
if you go ahead and take the credit and register your podcast on IMDb. And if anyone's looking for that information, I actually have a step-by-step process how to do it at vpe.tv. So like, if you come over to my website, I'll give you the link to make sure you know how to do that. I'm really passionate about that. Um, The other answer is awards. Have you won awards yet? No. I yeah, mean, I wish. I mean, in, in my brain, I have. Yeah, <laughs> but the only reason why you haven't—I'll tell you—the only reason why you haven't won an award yet is you haven't applied. I bet you don't. You haven't literally even know where to start. Exactly, you don't even know that there's a time, there's a window for nominations to come in. There's a fee, there's a process. You have to pick which category. Should should I apply for best episode? Should I apply for best series? Should I apply for best host? Should I apply for best career podcast or TV and film podcast? I can guide you through all that. I have an awards library in my creator accelerator, which is accessible at vpe.tv. I I want people to learn how to win awards. I want you to win awards because as a network exec, when I was looking for uh, lawyers, I would type in like award-winning lawyers. And if I wanted to type in award-winning podcast lawyers, I bet I'd find Group, a group of podcasters that can speak eloquently the way podcasters need to who have the background a lawyer does. So awards are a tremendous way to stand out um, and be, be identified and, and gain a Also, um, red, I like to talk about the red carpet moment. You know, <clears throat> We have podcasts. That's like having a TV show. So you're an actor. You have a TV show. So what? How are you going to let the press know about it? You have to go to events that have red carpets. The red carpets are media's way of telling the media when to who and where to expect. So they're saying, I'm showing up between seven and eight at this red carpet. That media outlet says to themselves, well, seven to eight, we'll, we'll have access to Vinny. We should have these five questions prepared because we have a slot later that night that we need to have a, a screen. We need to address this question in pop culture or this thing that's happening in current news. So I think having a red carpet moment, having a red carpet, having, having a, a legit uh, residency, you know, can happen on Clubhouse. It can happen on a Zoom that you set up weekly. But Clubhouse for me is a really easy way to get people instant access to you where you all have access to a microphone and you can all chat. Uh, I love LinkedIn Audio Live. Unfortunately, not everybody has access to the um, to host their own audio feature. But if you listen to, if you're able to tap into any of my audio lives, and I, I do a LinkedIn Audio Live every Thursday at 4 p.m. Eastern, um, anyone with LinkedIn has the access to, to turn on a microphone and chat on LinkedIn Audio Live. You just have to have access to LinkedIn Audio Live to be able to set up the rooms. And, that, and that's something that's a little bit gated right now. Um, so those red carpet moments are important. You know, those help you get discovered. You know, that's why your bio matters, your profile, your, the link in bio, the, where, where you're pushing people, what that flow looks like that, that all matters in discovery. You know, it's like, I, I can push fish down river towards you, but if your net has holes in it that aren't fixed, you're never going to catch fish, no matter how many fish, you know, I push down river to you. Yeah. Um, and then the last two things I want to answer, this is a great question, but I didn't think I had so many answers. Distribution. So after we come out with a movie, what do we do? We go to the United Artists. We go to the Regal Cinema. We go to movies and they distribute it for us. So as a content creator, I say to you as a podcaster, how are you distributing your content? Right now, you're probably publishing it, which then gets listed on other social streaming platforms or downloadable platforms, whether it's Apple or but, but where are you distributing it to? 
who's who's waiting for it who's expecting it and and how can you meet and their distribution needs by giving them content once a week so that they don't have to create content once a week because now they come to rely on yours and they're a part of your distribution strategy and the very last thing i'll talk about is amplification so after you distribute it after you have your network so after your show airs and it airs on all the networks that you'd set up to air on. Like after it's been distributed, you know, to all the networks, that it's been there, you have the opportunity to bring it into the social sphere. And one of the best ways to do that is through blog aggregators, like literally amplify blogs. So um, I use a tool. It's vpe.tv slash Q-U-U-U. And what this does is it puts your blog into a pool of of blogs that people who want to be creating content about thought leadership, about podcasts, about your content that you're talking about, they go to Q and they look for this type of like-minded content so they can quickly share it to their Facebook and so they can quickly share it to their LinkedIn because they want to be seen as like, you know, thought leaders, but they don't have the time to create your content. And apparently they don't have your point of view or your experience or your story, you know, at telling it. So, the second you are able to put your blog into Q, you tell Q what your blog is about. It spits it out to all the people who've subscribed to pod- blogs about podcasts, blogs about marketing, blogs about sales, blogs about country music. Um, they have the ability to take that blog and share it to their social media network uh, via Hootsuite or, or whatever sort of scheduler that they use on on LinkedIn, Facebook. So so now I'm I'm helping your message get discovered without needing you to be discovered right so like now what i'm doing is like i'm I'm putting i'm putting chicken nuggets in front of people who said i want chicken nuggets and then they're gonna share these chicken nuggets and then they're gonna say who made your chicken nuggets (laughs) yeah all right and, and then it comes back to you but they get to find the chicken nuggets that's all they care about. They share the chicken nuggets. They care. They eat the chicken nuggets. They share it with a friend. They tell a friend where to get it. The friend says, where did you get these chicken nuggets from? And they go, uh, Boots and Whiskey podcast, actually, come to think of it. And they go, oh, well, we got to go back. Boots and Whiskey podcast, obviously. Now, I, who is this? Why did they give me this thing that I need to know about? There's level of intrigue. So now I put you in front of somebody who was looking for your, the topic that you're speaking about. And we made them successful we gave them success and we made them feel successful by letting them find you and share your content quickly. Um, meanwhile, serving a much greater purpose. They're, you're, they're using your words as they're spreading this information. So like if you've been in the, in the house when someone's singing your song and people are getting your words verbatim, like there's like that power, that feeling of like, of, 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 uh, I don't even know a purpose and impeccability, uh, laser precision. And you just so much comes with the power of word. And, uh, and then this way I don't make them have to find you to be able to have to find what you're talking about. I'm actually leading with, you know, the, the subject at hand instead of the author, it's just another way to help you get discovered. So, so those are some ways to do it. And then analytics and audit, by the way, uh, listen, look at the analytics, try to make sense of your numbers. They don't speak for themselves. Give them a voice, give them a character, try to understand them. Don't give them multiple characters. See where your audience is coming from. What are they really searching? What are they really sharing? Um, what are they really reading? 
and and you can learn a lot from that in the in the uh, in the analytics. So um, just make sure that your Google Analytics, your Facebook Analytics, make sure that stuff is set up correctly so that you're capturing data and that you're not throwing you know caution into the wind. There's real data points out there now. Um, they don't again. They don't speak for themselves. So you got you you have to come up with their voice. But um, you know. That's where that's where the real explosion happens and, and understanding your audience. And that's why staying in your niche always makes it a little bit easier to uh, to grow, you know, so that yeah. you're, you're sort of there. Cool. Yeah. Yeah. That's that's awesome. That, that's all super helpful. And I appreciate all of that info. I really do. Yeah. Um, because, you know, like I was I was telling Jojo, like this is this is this was this started off as a hobby as like just, a you know, to, to kill time, you know, and then it turned you know, I, I threw it out there on Instagram of like, Hey, independent artists and country artists, like who wants to tell their story? And then it was like the floodgates opened, you know, it was like, Oh shit. Like, uh, can I close this door? And like, I couldn't, I just couldn't. <laughs> Good. And I don't want to do you know it. Yeah. I mean? Keep it open because it's open for, it's open for a reason. Yeah. Yeah, it totally is. And you know, it, it's, it's been a lot of fun and it's, you know, it's gotten me to meet, and cover, you know, so many different shows and, you know, talk to some great people like yourself and oh, thanks. Uh, you're welcome. And I, you know, I really appreciate your time and, and, and all of this. It's, it's been a lot of fun. Yeah. Likewise. Well, I, I'm excited to do a part two. <laughs> yeah. Oh, I think yeah. we are going, this is going to be like the Lord of the Rings trilogy. We're going for numbers, man. Absolutely. <laughs> <I like this. laughs> Absolutely. You know, you know, and I've also, you know, to, to, speak to your point i've also noticed that you know my success you know really plays on i don't want to say the guests right but the part of the guests to share it on their stuff you know because when i see when my guests really share the share the episodes the listens go way up you know it's the ones that don't necessarily share like i do that they're they stay static they're very you know middle of the road numbers yeah. Well, that that could be, by the way, that could mean that you're interviewing people who aren't normally getting interviewed and that there's an access point to them that they ha don't have if they're sharing it. Because I've had I, I'm starting to see like I, I'm not seeing I produce uh, a couple of dozen podcasts as, as our part as our production company for other people. And and I'm not really seeing guest guests drive growth, but what I am seeing is when my podcast clients are guests on some, like for example, I can I'll ask you this. Yeah. Um, one of the things I want to do is I think my audience is probably not my audience of TV execs and impactors are probably not going to see me post another because I because I spend ten to fifteen hours a week guesting on podcasts professionally as a living and make so many podcasts i don't think that they're going to jump to another channel to sure. hear me get interviewed but i do think that if i could get this copy of boots and whiskey on my podcast channel where i can say a couple of weeks ago i sat down with this guy here's what i learned about myself in this interview take a listen I think it's sort of that same idea of how I'm doing blog amplification. I'm going to let my audience see who you are as an interview, you interviewer and the context of my life story, something they already know. Right. And, and I might change the, the nuances of my story. I promise you I will, because every time I tell the story, I tell it differently. I don't, as I said earlier, I don't do the same thing twice. I'm work. I'm like literally a work in progress. And this is, this is what you're getting. 
Um, and I think that that's, a, that's, a, that's an important piece. That's an important piece to it. And I think that that transparency is going to help one, my audience get to know me better. They're also see me sort of being a guest on other people's platforms where I'm answering questions, which I don't get to do in my, in my podcast, but more importantly, you're getting the discovered ability. They're, they're literally, I'm not asking them to change the channel. I'm not asking them to do anything else other than what they normally would do, which is listen to my podcast. And it just happens to be hosted by you this time. And I, I yeah. actually have, I have a podcast episode that I tried that out on and it did really well. So I feel like that's going to be my, a, a strong guest strategy for me. And, I, and my podcast, I have a podcast is very much about my personal journey. So it makes sense for me to have like a, a follow Friday. Here's somebody that I, you know, I was a guest on. I had a great, I had a blast on their podcast. Listen to it. It, it sounds like a great way for me to supplement my stream of media. And I also get a free day of content out of it, by the way. Right. Like that's like, I'm not going to lie. 10 hours a week, 20 hours a week is a lot to guest. Uh, I'm growing my brand that way, but I'm also able to grow the numbers on my podcast that way by taking these podcasts and putting them back on my channel. Right. which is ultimately service serving independent podcasters. So like very similar to you, you may please even do the same thing. <laughs> um, yeah. it's, a, it's a really smart and, and, and also I'll be blunt. It's a lot cheaper for me to be a guest on someone else's podcast than for me to have to produce the whole episode. Yeah. So there's, there's that element to it too. And right. I, I'm not monetizing my podcast, but like if I was, then that would be even another layer, another reason to be able to to do that and play someone else's content that I, I can now monetize with my ads. And yeah. um, so lot, lots of growth here. But yeah, dude, cool. Thank you for the invite here to Boots and Whiskey. Yeah, I appreciate ab this. Absolutely. Vinny, any, really, anytime you want to be on or anytime you got something going on, just, you know, shoot me an email and we'll we'll get it working. I appreciate that. Well, thank absolutely. you for this. Thank yeah, you for absolutely. this. And, you yeah, know, this was it's awesome. Weird. It's weird because, so I typically, you know, I, I famously, and I have no bones about it, right? I don't come in prepared with anything, you know, and that may be a, that may yeah. be a downfall, but like, you know, I have enough background where I can keep the conversation going. Um, but, you know, when it comes to questions, I have zero, except for the two questions I always ask everybody. And it's what, it, uh, what's your favorite pair of boots and what's your whiskey of choice? And if you have either one of those, I would love to hear about it because I can't, I can't you know, discount the question just because you're not in the <laughs> industry. <laughs> oh man. I am so, Oh man. I am. So <laughs> <laughs> I am such a Nike sneaker and like, and I have this like horrible gluten allergy. So I'm like, I'm strictly tequila. Oh, that's um, okay. That's but, all right. But that's cool. That just means more for you and more for me. That sounds perfect <laughs> to me. That's awesome. Well, Vinny, thank it. you so much. I I really enjoyed our time together. Like thank I, you. I really appreciate everything. I really do. Yeah, likewise. This is cool. Thanks for this. I'll talk soon. Absolutely. Thanks, Vinny. Bye bye. Bye-bye. All right, guys. We can't forget about Dirt Road Scholar Supply Company, right? They've been with us since the beginning. They have all kinds of great stuff. You can go to their website, drsupplyco.com. Again, drsupplyco.com. They're a Canadian-based company. They have great stuff. The hat I wear all the time is Dirt Road Scholar Supply Company. Go on there. Check out their stuff. They have a great shop. They have everything there. Um you know, if you're in the States, do allow a little bit of time to, to come in because it's going across, you know, international lines. You know, they have some great stuff. Mike's a great guy. 
there's so much you don't even want to you don't even want to miss this opportunity so go check them out dirt road scholar supply company they are on our instagram all the time the hat i wear all the time is from them go check them out go check out mike and company drsupplyco.com now this is probably my favorite announcement i'll probably ever make now we have teamed up with beats beers bonfires.com again beats beerbonfires.com. I keep putting an S on the beers. I don't know. Maybe it's because I want several. But they're a blog. They talk about country music. They talk about all kinds of stuff. Um, We're going to start adding on to their website in a partnership with them, Beats Beer Bonfires. Boots and Whiskey Podcast is coming to Beats Beer and Bonfires as well. In our own blog, every Thursday you're going to get a new take from me. Um my opinion about something in the country music world or the like. We're going to put some opinion on this show coming up here soon. I hope you enjoy it. I'll try not to offend anybody. There might be some hot takes in there, some, you know, some language and whatnot. So, you know, viewer, (laughs) viewer beware, but beats beer bonfires. We're going to start actually this Thursday, Thursday Thoughts with the Boots and Whiskey Podcast. Go check them out. We'll post it on our socials. They'll post it on theirs. We'll see you Thursday. Cheers. Well, there you have it, everybody. My conversation with Vinny Potestivo. What a great time that was. Um, There was so much in that episode where I might even have to re-listen to it because there's just so much. There's so much. There's so much information to share. And I can't thank Vinny enough for sharing it and taking the time you know what a what a great what a great career he has had like it's unbelievable unbelievable damn like just thinking about it i'm just so jealous <laughs> i'm not jealous maybe not jealous but envious cuz you know he's he but you know what he's worked his ass off and he deserves every bit of success that he's had so vinny congratulations to you thank you so much for being here um god anytime you want to be back on the show we'd love to have you i you know everybody else that's you know, here, here through Vinny. Thank you so much for listening and, and taking the time, you know, shoot us an email, boots and whiskey podcast at gmail.com. Would love to hear from you. Um, if there's anybody out there that's listening that, you know, wants to contribute to this show, um, in some way, please, by all means, you're more than welcome. I would love to hear from you. Um, and going forward, you know, thank you all so much for, for you know the new listeners and people that have been listening all the whole time check us out on instagram facebook twitter tiktok uh facebook if i haven't said that one already you know pretty much everywhere we're everywhere so you can find us anywhere we're also on imdb now which is super great um you know i thank Vinny for that we've we've been working on that now for for a few weeks so cool very very cool um yeah so really without further ado there's not much going on um, over the next couple of weeks, August, mid-August, and through the end of August, we have a ton of shows coming up. We still have the Bold Point Park shows we're going to be giving away tickets to. Um, if you're in the area, would love to have you. Just keep following along, and we'll release those as as they come. Um, let's see what else. I think that's really it. We're going to do the reviews, the concert reviews through blog form. Um. The ones that are already out on YouTube, we're going to keep there. Um, I might do some quick little videos on YouTube coming up. Um, but we're going to we're gonna do the blogs, I think, as reviews, too. Um, those will be a whole separate thing other than Thursday Thoughts. Um, 
Whiskey Wednesdays are back. You know, you guys know. You guys know. Check it out. You know, I appreciate y'all. And until next week, you know, have a great rest of your week. Enjoy your weekend. And we'll be back here with you next Tuesday. As always, keep the boots on the ground and the whiskey in the glass, guys. Cheers.